Welcome to The Event Brew, where event professionals from different backgrounds talk about the latest, most controversial, and interesting topics dominating the minds of the industry right now. This is a candid conversation, the likes of which can only otherwise be found late at night in host hotel lobby bars during industry conferences. So relax and drop in on what event pros really say when no one else is around. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event management company that tells you how it really is. Now, let's brew something up. Hello, once again, everyone. It's another episode of Event Brew. We are excited to be here in our first episode that's taking place in wartime. That's right. You've had pandemic event brew now <laughs> you are going to be in the war era event brew it's really exciting to mark times with these awful things that we all go through hooray anyone else have anything more positive to say i about think that? you just won the award for the <laughs> worst intro ever yeah, yeah. They, they, they definitely tuned out by now did it, yeah. did, 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 did it this just in from the front yeah, I... it just feels like we're going from like everyone talking about that to everyone talking about this, and it's like, couldn't we have had something better to transition from that <laughs> could world? We, couldn't we have had a break in between? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's yeah. no, it's like let's talk about this. Uh, well, we really it's been like pains. It's been a, it's been a, like it's been a long. What are we at? Like six or seven years? Well, six years of. Going from nonstop Trump coverage to nonstop pandemic coverage to now on a very different note. Um, now we're kind of uh, all in our war setting, and it's just yeah. It's Give been me a lot. something utopian or something like nice, you know, like I don't know, like a world full of tea. A world full of tea. Well, well since hmm. since Nick's going to do this all ass backwards, then yep. we will. Uh, um, I'm going to introduce. Will Curran with Endless Events. Oh. Hi, Will. Oh, my. oh, hello, Dustin Westling of One West Events. Oh, thank you. So great to see you. Thank you. And we've already heard from Debbie Downer, Nick Borelli <laughs> with Hey, All we're not Seated talking Expo. about the we're not talking about the pandemic anymore, everybody. Do I do I still call you All Seated Expo? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, okay. Don't call me <clears throat> I yeah, you all know I can't fucking keep up with all you guys. And I got another brand coming out soon too. So who knows? Great. Well, you Mick Mick Borelli with an M. <laughs> Mick Verley. Oh, I like that. <laughs> or yeah. Rick. Rick. Pickle Nick. That's what my Manali. son calls me. Pickle Nick. Yep. Your Pickle son Nick. calls you that. I'm Pickle Nick. Yeah, my, my son's an eight-year-old who likes Rick and oh, Morty. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, that's, that's a great show that's... for an eight-year-old. Watch. Isn't it? <laughs> I guess there's so much. It's like Sleep at the wheel so fast. Uh, yeah. here at the, uh, <laughs> the parenting ranch. No, like, I think hey, there's worse shows. There's worse shows for, for kids to watch. He'll be a realist. True. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely a, a man, a brain expanding thing. The, the weirdest thing I think about that show is the fact that the richest man in the world will like live tweet during that cartoon airings, and I'm like, what world do we live in where like <laughs> that's happening? Like, imagine like 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, you're to say like, oh, the 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 richest person in the entire world watches a a cartoon and then tells the world about it while he's watching it. Uh, I guess that's a non-negative thing, right? Like, I can imagine Robert Barron's uh, being so, you know, jovial. We're getting better. I think we're getting we're getting goofier. Well, I think if we're, we're going to get a little weirder, we can talk about what we're drinking in our cups. Oh, I'm drinking the weirdest drink, so you guys go first, and we'll see if you can Ooh. beat me. Ooh. Okay. Um, well, I am currently drinking a vanilla chai, David Rio chai. I have a ton of vanilla chai powder left, so just drinking away my typical chai latte with oat milk. Well, as you know, I'm here to disappoint all the beer drinkers in the world. I am drinking a Michelob Ultra. Ooh. I know. I know. I know. I'm here to disappoint, so. Oh, you don't disappoint But it's like, me, it's extra cold today. You know, I must, you know when you have those days where beer just tastes so much better? Mm. Especially Michelob Ultra. <laughs> Does it ever taste better? Um, 
I don't know like, that. I don't know that I love the taste of it. That is fair. What okay. I do like about it is it's not sweet at all, and a lot of light mm. beer has sugar in it, and oh, it's so it just doesn't taste sweet. It just tastes like beer flavored water. Ooh, interesting. You know, like I never really got into the whole like light beer like thing, that 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 whole thing. Like in college, like no, you know, like you, you remember, like I, I don't know. This is the same thing in like canada college where like everybody drinks shitty beer oh, and everything like that yeah well it's like yeah. a lot of the reasons that i drink this is because craft beer the alcohol percentage in craft beer can get so, so high it and, just knocks you up yeah and then you don't realize that you you know you have three or four beers you don't realize that you can't walk anymore until you get up and then all of a sudden you're like jesus it's a tuesday and i'm smashed <laughs> and during I, event brew yeah totally <laughs> So what we should do like a, a drunken event profs episode, like you know, like drunk history, drunk yeah. event, drunk event playing. We plan I an just, event. I don't feel like drunk. this is going to get better if you add booze. I think it's just going to get uh, a lot worse. Do you might drink, be a Nick? little bit different. I do. Oh, yeah. Of course you drink. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I do. Might be a little bit different for me. So the episode ends. We done. We're done recording. I don't know about you guys. Then I go off to a bunch of children. Uh, <laughs> and Nick's it's, like, let's it's a little different boy. scene, I assume, for you guys. Uh, True. Yeah, so it would be a little bit more awkward for me to like stumble out of my office drunk and be like, oh, I was part of the theme of the episode, kids. Uh, <laughs> They're like, Daddy's an alcoholic. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little, little bit more awkward. I don't know. I'm not going to get drunk off of uh, Coca-Cola Starlight, which is what I'm drinking. Which uh, what? Yeah. It's what? either it's either a really small new? can yep. or you have the biggest hands I've ever seen in my life. Thank you. Uh, it's a small can. Oh. Coca-Cola <laughs> uh, Starlight. Yeah, it's a 7.5 uh, Top article. What does it taste like? It tastes like space, space candy? Yep. Space candy. Yeah, that's what everyone says. It tastes like what? space, which is, I'm here for which it. is a dodge amazing. because it doesn't taste like anything that you could put your finger on, which is weird. Uh, it's kind of oh, like a uh, cotton candy uh berry plus all all the flavor of coke as well i just want includes, you to know. <laughs> according to the official press release starlight coca-cola includes additional notes of reminiscent of stargazing around a campfire as yeah. well as cooling sensation that evokes a feeling of a cold journey to space yeah every time i try to look it up they're like they just like start waxing poetic about uh, <laughs> chemicals in a can and you're like you have mm. the most in- that's the most interesting drink i think we've had on the show in a while that's pretty interesting i mean it's not real you know it's uh it's coca-cola it's not like it's necessarily a deep cut but it's uh they're they're making weird stuff and it, it's funny because like they have all this uh data on people now like coke and pepsi because they have those machines that have those you, know, you can choose what uh what flavors you want to add to it and i can't mm-hmm. believe that they haven't created more from that like it seems like mm-hmm. they would be able to like like have you seen a new flavor born from that? Because you think that'd be super obvious. Like people mm-hmm. get to vote with their uh, cups. Yeah, that's great. Apparently, they're sending them to space. Great, cool. Yeah. Well, well, what are we talking about today? Sputnik. Sputnik. Sorry, Ooh, that, that was a good transition. Yeah. Space Sputnik. Okay. So, yeah. Leica. So uh, can, you, can you summarize what's been going on in the world the last week? Yeah, got a war or something. Uh, I didn't have this on my bingo card. I really didn't. I didn't expect uh, that Russia would be invading a the second largest European country. Uh, that that seems like why? Uh, why now? Uh, I mean, and, and obviously, there's endless content about that answer that you can read if, if that's something that you're interested in. But uh, it just seems like a throwback. You know, you're like, what are you getting land? Like, are we going mm. after? Land is is that how we score? You know, like political power these days. Like it just seems like antiquated almost, right? Like it's like he's going to trash his economy in order to have more land, which will uh, create more economic instability. Okay, like I, I don't see the end game in this other than like a uh, an ego move that without any kind of like ability to forecast like even to the near future. Uh, I don't know. It just seems like a, a very 20th century at best uh, way to be aggressive. Uh, you know, not cyber terrorism, not destabilizing, you know, economies or um, creating like any kind of false information. None of that stuff, which they certainly have been doing. 
but uh, yeah, just just going in with some tanks to the neighbors, it just seems like how are we here? And mm-hmm. and then now that we are, how do we in the twenty first century with like our increased uh, empathy and our increased uh, like connectivity? How do we rectify this situation? Like how do we how do we deal with the twentieth century problem with twenty first century tools and minds? Like to me, that's the part that really feels weird because like we're we're way more connected. Like I know people in Russia. Uh, they a couple people that I know. I know a lot of people. I work with people in the Ukraine that I talk to uh, pretty frequently too. So I mean, full disclosure: we have about thirty percent of our company is based in Kiev, uh, and a lot of people I'm working on with like very specific projects even are are you know in bunkers or are trying. And this person who is on my immediate team who is in the next couple of days relocating, trying to find a place to live in Poland. Um, it's uh, it's definitely hit home and it is real. But like it's so weird to be in this situation where before it was like, what do we do? Like we, you know, I don't know, start saying disparaging things about people and we, you know, fight back militarily and, you know, all that stuff. And now in the 21st century, that seems like not the the method. It seems more like boycotting and social media and and having conversations around who's the real problem and, you know, endlessly debating these things. It, it, before it was like when we went to war with Germany, like we we in America kicked up German shepherds because we thought that there was some sort of loose affiliation there. That's true, by the way. Like there was there was lots of attacks on German shepherds. We were so well, I mean, there's def- that's unempathetic now, and too. dumb. Yeah, I mean, there is that. There's you know, there's always going to be a percentage of that, but like that was like patriotic. Like we were just dumb, right? And now we're we're like super connected. You know, you could mm-hmm. you probably know somebody. You have the ability to see somebody on both sides. Uh, you can empathize with the people. Um, it's just, it's very, I, I just find the landscape of, of this to be one of the weirdest parts of the whole experience from someone who is, you know, half a world away and not so far dealing with any of the specific consequences of it. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> so today we're going to talk, we're going to, we're going to hover around this topic of how um, this is going to impact the event industry. We're going to talk a little bit about the travel industry, but I think um, before we do, I think it's worth recognizing the human toll that's being paid, that this is a really, really fucking tragic, tragic thing that is going on. And, um, you know, I, I don't think any of us here are to pick sides or point fingers or anything like that. But I mean, what the Ukrainian people are going through is just so tragic. And seeing them stand up for their country with the bravery that they are is so foreign to me. And I can't wrap my head around it. And I, I, I would love to believe that I would be that person. And all I can do is like look at these people and go like it's just it's such a tragedy. It's such a you know beautiful culture, beautiful people. It's so it's so heartbreaking that they're having to go through this for whatever the weird fucking reason is that it's happening. Um, so I think all that aside, I let's just recognize that this is an awful situation and who knows where it's going to end up but what we do know is that there's going to be some some short-term and some long-term impacts on our industry that we are going to have to face and uh that's what we want to bust into today so on that where do you where do you gentlemen want to start on the long list of things that i think are going to start coming our way because of this yeah maybe more mac macro and more like well how's this going to affect like you posted an article from cnn travel about how it's going to affect the travel industry which i think is a good you know travel gets hit first and then probably we're going to be second right after it right like kind of like what happened with the pandemic so maybe that's where we want to start yeah i think the most the most obvious thing when it comes to travel is going to be the the cost of gas and oil and like oil prices are going up they're going sky high i'm sure you're seeing that in the u.s as well but um, so there's more 110 dollars per barrel on wednesday yeah and it'll <laughs> it'll keep going i i was uh i was reading an economist over the weekend that said that it'll hit 200 um and then gas prices will follow and in in there's a few things for us that'll, you know, the travel industry is going to get hit hard because airlines are going to have to hike their prices. Um, the biggest cost airlines have is in fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even just, you know, it's going to affect literally everything that needs to be shipped ever. So an already really messed up um, shipping system is going to just continue to become more and more complicated and the price of simple goods are going to go through the roof and, um, yeah, it definitely is not the thing the travel industry needed right now. Um, 
they needed to come out of COVID really strong without any barriers to get people to travel and enjoy destinations, whether it's leisure or business travel. Um, so definitely that is, uh, that's going to take, that's going to take some time to, uh, to recover from. It's interesting too, like the countries that are like, not even just like obviously Ukraine and Russia, but like even the ones that like surrounding it. So for example, in this one, they're saying that airspace above Russia, Belarus, uh, Poland, Slovakia, uh, Hungary, Romania, and Moldova are on the risk list. Basically, like, can you imagine if you had an event in one of those countries? Like, I don't know, like, our audience is primarily American and Canadian. So, like, I don't know how many people are planning an event in Romania. But, like, imagine if you were, then all of a sudden, like, mm-hmm. no, you can't fly. You can't fly there. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have, it's in the fear. The fear of flying. You have to imagine anywhere in Europe right now is probably on pins and needles, right? Like, oh, this yeah. is you know, regardless of whether you're in that at-risk zone or not, like... Our our uh, European uh, contingent of our company, which is primarily based in uh, Germany, they, they talked today about uh, things that they have team members that are going out to Ukraine and, uh, and helping out and things like that in Romania. But, like, th- they're talking about how the fact that, like, there's not going to be any travel or in, around Germany even um, because people are thinking about them being uh, in, in sort of this zone because there's all kinds of American bases there. And like, what's the, like it, it becomes global immediately, right? Like it's mm-hmm. not, it's not an isolated thing. And then I hate to say this, but this is Europe. I mean, this is not the third world. Mm-hmm. So like if, you know, planning an event, let's say in, in Romania, it's not weird, you know, for, yeah. for a North American uh, an organization. It's not like a, like, Hey, let's take a risk and like, let's have our event in, you know, uh, Saudi Iran, Arabia. right. Or Saudi Arabia. Right. Like it, it, it's like, it's, it's not out of the question. Number one, number two, like the Congresses that take place with, uh, you know, from people from there, uh, is, is a big deal. Yeah, um, but I, I mean, the travel travels like the biggest part of our industry, uh, like the umbrella and within that is hospitality. And then mm-hmm. under that is events and they're intrinsically connected, uh, and there's really no way to to kind of separate them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that element of it, of the instability of it, is is underlining once again my, my thought on like the uh, the idea that we're going to be in a constant uh, era of instability and disruption, and it's going to come mm-hmm. from everything because we're we're in everything is global now, like everything. Mm-hmm. So like it, what happens in Russia will impact you, you know your ability to ship out. Uh, awards from your event uh, from San Diego to San Francisco or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. like everything is connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just that in, in, intertwined. Uh, uh, even local events will be impacted by this in, in some capacities based on uh, the cost of, of shipping plus uh, supply chain issues. So mm-hmm. um, really it just underlines the fact that like we, we need to be able to not anticipate any specific uh, interruption or disruption because like I said it, it wasn't like I at least maybe or, or maybe other people were but I didn't think this year well a war with uh, Russia and you know Europe what's that going to do like you just don't see this stuff coming automation and, and new technologies like there's so many things that are for the next who knows how long uh, with the uh, just the newness of a completely global uh, economy and the speed of the internet and all, all kinds of other things that are taking place um, means that we just have to be flexible constantly. Like there is no plans that are in that are firmly uh, in place. Um, so that's all one part of it. The other part of it is um, the first thing that really grabbed me last week was what IMEX said about how they're going to make uh, keep the Russian state representatives out of uh their event uh which is interesting i got more on the travel industry that's going to be affected by this yeah i mean i think that's i think all disruptions all global disruptions are going to have an impact on travel um in in some capacity it's going to be there's just so many different things that can do that because travel is is the thing that really um is the bind uh, between mm-hmm. globalization. So like anything that impacts globalization or is impacted by globalization is going to impact travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's fair to say that, that we have not recovered from COVID until we get travel back to a place, um, 
that mm-hmm. is comfortable, easy to access, and is happening in more of a stress-free, worry-free way. And this is creating more obstacles to that. Um, yeah. What else you got on there, Will? So check this out. Um, the CNN article he shared was pretty cool. So we'll make sure to link to it. Um, but there's a tweet that shows um, from Ford Keys that's air track ticket data percentage of tourism dependent on Russian visitors. And it, this is just like shocking to me in terms of some of these countries that are just going to get wrecked because they're go- they get so much travel from Russia. So Armenia, 47% of their incoming travel comes from Russia. Wow. Um, oh my gosh, I'm going to slaughter this one. This, this is going to get turned into a meme for Will to try to pronounce his country name. Azerbaijan is the name of the country. Uh, Azerbaijan. 40, yeah, 44% comes from Russia. Uzbekistan, wow. 34%. Turkey, 8%. UAE, 4%. Maldives, 15%. Thailand, 8%. Greece, 3%. You, but what's really interesting to me is like I'm curious how this is going to affect the incoming travel from the U.S. because it shows that only point, uh, 0.2% of U.S. travel comes from Russia, which granted, there's a lot of travel that goes to the United States. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like it, it probably, you know, like I, I bet you most countries are probably 0.2% um, mm-hmm. on there. Um, but yeah, it's just crazy to think about how this is going to affect just the incoming travel to s- certain countries based on the fact of kind of the the can I use the word skepticism, the the distrust of Russia right now, right? Like what what exactly is this going to mean for, for them? And yeah, it, it, it's absolutely crazy. The amount of cancel, like I'm reading about cancellations, like Cyprus saw a 300% increase in cancellations, Egypt, right? Like UK even saw like 153% cancellations from, from Russia as well. So, wow. which is, uh, you know, let's see, I think, I, and this, this, this quote's not hundred percent. Um, certain in terms of what the 143% is. But, I mean, it's still huge. I mean, these are huge changes to what's going to happen in terms of what's going to go over there. And like you guys said, like, this is just the first week, right? Mm-hmm. If this spreads any further, oh, my gosh, these, like, cancellations and ripple effects are just almost endless, right? Yep. <clears throat> I think uh, American Express joined Visa and MasterCard in um, terminating services in Russia. Mm. Yeah, that's the part that I'm really curious a lot about is like, and I kind of set this one up initially when I was talking about like, how do we deal with these things in a 21st century way, right? Like what's uh, with uh, finances and uh, banking being uh, mostly international uh, with lots and lots of organizations like pooling out. Uh, of those uh, places, like what are the political ramifications? What are the mm-hmm. brand ramifications uh, with uh, any kind of connectivity with Russia? Like I, I looked mm-hmm. at like there, there's like boycotts going on right now that are uh, high on the list of trending topics in Twitter over the last de- day with McDonald's and Coke and other organizations which service the entire world. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're being pressured into pulling out uh, of Russia. Uh, and then there's other countries or other companies that are like, like we work for instance, which, you know, every day I'm surprised they're still an organization, uh, is like, we're, well, yeah, we're like, uh, we're still here. And it's like, of course you are like mm-hmm. <laughs> be the heel of, uh, you know, too, business too, too broke to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. What are we going to do? Not, <laughs> we, it's nice to say that when you have the money, but, um, so yeah, uh, I'm really curious about that. And like, that's what I was getting at with the IMAX thing is like, okay, so like there's this, there's like the ramifications of the instability. Right. And then there's also like the brand and, and kind of like activism element of it as well. Like, what do you do as a company? Do you come out and say something specifically about this? Uh, when do you do it? When don't you? Uh, and then, uh, if there is any kind of like correlation between like, if you're not just a, like, let's say a local event, in, in a North American uh, city, but like if you have the, the possibility of, of Russian um, organizations playing a part in your event or and then what does that mean? So like I, the, the example I gave was uh, that IMAX said that they that state uh, Russian delegates were not invited to attend their event currently. Uh, so that's very specific. You know, it's not like saying like a private organization based out of Russia couldn't, you know, have some sort of. Uh, presence there but uh you know because imex specifically has a lot of cvbs uh and uh other organizations which are tied directly to the government of russia i mean that's like a pretty i mean that that's like russia russia uh that's definitely you know if if they're not to blame the government then who is Mm -hmm. um then it's uh 
it's interesting to say like what what would you you know what would you do like what's and this is also a case study in in things that might not be this escalated um but our, our recent episode where we talked about the political uh you know fallback and the political ties to events and how uh politics comes into events this is another instance of that right so like do you do you make that decision or do you say something to the effect of like you know we're a we're a this is not something that violates our mission and that we uh, exist to bring people together. And if there's an opportunity to have discussion and foster safe discussion between people from that organ, you know, that, that, that space and other spaces um, that, you know, it's our mission to bring the world together and not further separate. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like a case could mm-hmm. be made, I guess. I, well, I look at, I look at IMAX's decision and I say, I look at it from the lens of, what feeling are you trying to invoke at this event and how is Russia's presence there going to affect that? How are people going to feel with, mm. you know, a big booming Russia booth in the middle, in the middle of all of this? And I, I don't know that I would make a different decision. I think I would make the same decision. I'm and right say, there with you. Yeah. And say, well, and say, listen, like this is our goal. This is what we want to achieve. And I think this is going to be a distraction to that goal. And this mm. is going to give people bad feelings. And that's not what we're here to create. Best case, well, worst case, it's it's a or you know, people don't, don't they, they come start protesting because, like at IMAX because yeah. they're there or something like that. Or, then, or it's it's a lightning rod for um you know a, a clash that would take place there, right? Like there's people oh, whose yeah. lives are you know that were that that are very. I mean, this is in Europe. Like the, the, yeah. this is the li- the likelihood of having people's lives who are negatively impacted and then having mm-hmm. to stare across the face of someone uh, who is tangentially you know or or you know or more connected to what's going on isn't a safe space right like that's mm-hmm. not a good uh not a good day well mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting too because like i think one of the biggest things that i've been like seeing too is like hey we we shouldn't be like demonizing the 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 people of russia right like the normal citizens say that. Yeah. and yeah and like the, what's interesting about imex's decision it's it's punishing the state level like the governmental level so it makes a lot of sense in my opinion um, when it's coming down to it. But, you know, I think we also have to be, you know, cognizant that if you're planning an event, you can't probably just ban your attendees from Russia because, to be honest, like, I don't know. I don't think this is the normal Russian's fault, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, it it's so it, interesting to see so many famous Russian people say, like, you know, like, I didn't vote for him. It wasn't my choice. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I like, and they're, like, supporting Ukraine in so many ways. You know, it's going to really suck because, like, I remember at the beginning of this when the sanctions were going in place, right? Like, everyone was like, Apple should stop selling products in Russia. They should actually turn off every iPhone and just, like, disable it. And you start to think to yourself, like, okay, yeah, that would piss off a lot of people. Maybe it'll make them all, like, stand up to go against Putin because they they want their iPhone. But, you know, it's also punishing some people who probably, you know, didn't want any part of this. And that that's mm-hmm. really a really tough place, I think, when it comes to this whole entire conflict. Mm-hmm. I feel that way about, you know, McDonald's seizing operations in Russia. It's like, those are those are entry level minimum wage employees <laughs> like that like what what are they getting punished for but you know not to dig not to dig into the politics of this there's only there's only one way that this is going that changes are going to be made in Russia and it's going to be when the people stand up and change them because there's no other there's no other route to do that and it's going to take and it is going to take that and it's going to take the rest of the world putting pressure on the common man that they have to rise up because there's no military in the world that's going to do it. These sanctions aren't going to do it. It's going to it's going to have to happen from within and that that's where this is headed and it's so fucking crazy and unfortunate because there's a lot of victims and they're not all in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it, you, you, it's very difficult to say uh an organ like a a a whole people uh are not to blame and yet um you know, like this is the leadership that's been in place for decades now and people just get on with their lives and, you know, like that, mm-hmm. that has happened. Um, that means like no one is ever to blame for, for things like this, you know, like uh, and uh, it, it's not like there has been a giant movement within Russia to, to say mm-hmm. to the international uh, people, help us remove this person. Um, you know, they just kind of generally speaking been kind of fine with it. Uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, and, and again, maybe everyone I've read, at least from Russia, now that they've switched to like other apps and stuff outside of Facebook, I, I had to download a bunch of them. Um, 
just to get like a like Telegram and a few other ones that, that you, they can still kind of work. Uh, I've been paying attention, and and for the most part, uh, people are you know like the international people, especially the people. I mean, in as much as I mean the people that have ties to people outside of Russia, uh, are you know really surprised that this happened. Like they didn't mm-hmm. think this would ever happen. Um, and I've been in a country where things uh, from leadership has been surprising, uh, and things have been said in in a surprising way that I'm like, oh boy, that that doesn't represent me. Uh, and, uh, so I, uh, on a level, I understand that, but it, I mean, and, and I guess we've also, I mean, full disclosure, United States, we've, we've invaded countries, mm-hmm. uh, and there's been different pretense and, you know, you can, you can cut into that, but like, it's, uh, the pretense for this one seems so transparent, um, that it's doesn't seem like as murky. Um, there's not like a, a real obvious humanitarian element, let's say, in addition to financial, benefits um with the bottom line i guess is that the rest of the world um seems pretty unanimous mm-hmm. uh, in how they feel about it like when was that when was the last time we had that <clears throat> mm-hmm. well mm. this is our first war in the age of the digital age right yeah i mean i, I would have expected more dissension i mean like in, in as much as globally right like there, there would be the opportunity for um you know, another point of view to emerge or, or, to, or to have a smart enough um, play, you know, going into this that you're like, okay, I need, I need my plausible deniability in, in the form of some kind of scapegoat. Uh, and those things that have been put out thus far seem to be really like, obviously, you know, not swallowed by the, the international community. So, um, I mean, I, I guess really, like from from an event standpoint, the thing I'm most curious about is um, what, how do we react in a way that protects our brands, protects our people, um, and protects our, you know, why we come together. And you know, in some instances, it's not, um, you know, the protection element of it isn't as uh, obvious. And then in other ones where it's an international community, um, you know, I think it's probably. Um, something where we have to, to determine if uh, if there's a stance necessary or if it's simply just, um, you know, I don't know. Like, like for instance, uh, we're at inter- international confects in the next, like, couple weeks or so. Um, they've done the same thing there, and they've uh, had the Russian state uh, not be invited. Um, but uh, there isn't an official, like, money... Um, raising element at that event, but like some of the booths are doing things to show support from Ukraine. Like it, it comes down to like, how do we use our platforms? What's our mission? What are we about? And globally, the event industry is about bringing people together. So I think we should really always try to figure out ways to incorporate that into the the actions that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that the rest of the world is finding ways to use what they know how to do. And uh, and, and, and make a difference, right? Like I, I saw like Elon Musk's, uh, you know, bringing the internet to the people of Ukraine and seen other technology companies like come forward and help and then different organizations. Um, and I, I think that the boycotting is one part of it, which is like, okay, fine. But like, what could we do as a community to bring the skills that we have maybe, uh, and apply mm-hmm. them, uh, to, to problem solving? Uh, maybe there's, maybe there's something there. Mm-hmm. You know, There's like this, offer free um, tickets to Ukrainian citizens or something like that would be pretty awesome. Sure. I mean, yeah. bare minimum. There's, there's this, um, yeah. I'm going to botch it because I can't remember the guy's name, but he is at the Poland-Ukraine border and he's playing piano. Have you, did you hear about this? Cool. And no. so he's, <clears throat> he's playing piano and he is sharing his music because that's what he has to offer. That is what he can do. So he's there, he's playing music in sort of this chaotic, it's very like the Titanic is sinking, the band is still playing. And, um, and when they interviewed him, he said, you know, Vladimir Putin must love music. Maybe he'll hear this and it'll change his heart. And I just thought like, this person is so incredible. Like that's like a that, Like that is incredible. And that is like, not reaching into your pocket, not not making a statement, not being like this guy is this and that, and it's just using the talent and the gift that he has to change the world. And I just thought that is just that is incredible. That is incredible. Do I think he's? Do I think it's going to work with Putin? No, but but um, it inspires other people to think about what they, that's it. Yeah, the power yeah. they have, right? Like like the yeah. power that that person has 
is to be able to play the piano. We're probably yeah. not uh, a CEO of a multinational, probably not a government official, right? You know, but that's you know different different amount of uh, power, different amount of uh, responsibility. Um, but if that could push someone with with greater power to to say. Well, shoot, you know, like I, I could do all this stuff with a push of a button and uh, make this much of a difference. And I'm not. And there and there's this person here who has who's actually putting their uh, putting action, you know, out there, not just talking online. Uh, you know, the, the little little things like that have, have the ability to cause chain reaction. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would be really excited about some kind of initiative that 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 uses the skill sets uh, of of all of us, uh, which are like bringing people together and figuring out, okay, does the world need that right now? Yes. How do we apply that? And it would be interesting to see if there was some sort of, I don't know, con- you know, concern put together uh, from planners or from people who know how to logistically do things. I mean, we saw it in the pandemic. I mean, this has only been the first week, so there's, it's hard to determine what to do. Uh, but we saw in the pandemic, there was a lot of organizations uh, within the events industry are like, okay, well, I just got hit like everybody else did, but what can I do to help now that I, you know, I have a chance to think about it? And the answer is there was a lot of logistical challenges in that era uh, and a lot of, um, you know, organizational abilities needed. And, and those were skill sets that were within uh, the events industry's, uh, you know, back pocket. So what can we do this time? Hmm. I'm wondering too, like, I don't know if it's necessarily this is the best episode to do it. Maybe we wait one more week <laughs> yeah. to see where it's, this all it's goes. It's all but, real new. But I was going to say, like, I'm curious to know what everyone's thoughts are in terms of the long-term effect this is going to have for event professionals. Like, if you if you have, you know, your, let's say your World Congress is scheduled to be in St. Petersburg in four years from now. Are you trying to get out of that now? Mm-hmm. Are, you know, are if you have an, uh, if you have an event in Europe – in the next 12 months are you trying to prepare a backup plan my question to you are we more stable like i understand that like the likelihood of a land war in 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 north america is much less likely but think about all the other things right like think about protests and uh and state mandates that say this people can't do these things and are we any more stable as far as like a like a, a hosting an event, I, I really think it's it's a global issue, and every uh, and we're just in this like generation of change that like it, yeah. I mean, I think there's like immediate threats specifically to those areas that that would be more violent ones, maybe. But again, last year we weren't thinking like, well, I, I wouldn't want to host my event in the second largest country in Europe because. Uh, you know, of its, uh, you know, likelihood of it having some kind of like bombshells like it was, you know, well, I'm also thinking too, like, not only just the like the safety aspect, but also too, just like, the like the ruble, for example, the ruble has been like decimated. Oh, yeah. So like, mm-hmm. the question becomes like, can you even does do you, I mean, the question becomes is, is now is it a is it cheaper to do an event in Russia? Like, I oh, mean, like, I don't that's it. I mean, you're saying an opportunist. I'm not just an opportunity. I think that's probably a really <laughs> fucked up thing to think right now. But, you know, I'm trying to think more so just, yeah, I guess like a safety aspect, the perspective aspect, like just like also just the, st- the state of the economy in general being destabilized. Like, would you would you do a would you do an event in in that country knowing that, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Like, oh, I certainly think <clears throat> that there's destinations out there that are going to seize the moment and yes. that are that are so far away from this that won't be affected by it and yeah I absolutely think they'll though I'm sure Canada will definitely be one of those countries that will be like hey we are a safe reliable place and uh, bring your bring your event here and I've seen the way that <clears throat> Canada um um Montreal specifically markets themselves as being very safe and that is they they lead with that that it is a safe place to be and I think there'll be there'll be a lot more of that and they're not wrong to do that I mean it, it's actually a really great point you know from an from like what what does a destination offer right so like there's sun and there's uh you know uh leisure activities sure uh, and but that's not that competitive. Uh, if your or if your city and your in your region uh, invests a lot of energy into keeping it stable, 
it's a, you know, it's, it's a selling point for why people live there and it's, it's a selling point of why people visit there. So, uh, I think that we're going to start to see some of the advertising, you know, maybe subtle at first change from less of the, oh, hey, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And like, uh, we've got, you know, this and that and this and that and this many slides. And, and they talk more about like, hey, you know, the, you're going to come here, you're going to leave here. You know, you're, you're, it's going to be fine. Uh, we, you know, we don't and have this. We don't more, have that. More importantly, the chances of you having to cancel your program yeah. are a lot slimmer here, which is going to become, which is going to become really high on the list of things yeah. where, you know, after all of this that we've just been through in the last two years, people are looking for stability in a destination that they know that when they say they're going to do it, that it can happen there and that it's not going to have these outside influences that are going to keep their program from taking place. It's, uh, it's interesting. I mean, I think that uh, I keep saying this over and over again, that like this, this idea of like this being a generation or like a long stretch of instability from a variety of different reasons just based on where we are, I think that that's going to change how we talk about a lot of things uh, and, uh, you know, what, what we expect from things. And, and really, the, what we do is we plan ahead. Uh, that, that's what a lot of the, what you do as far as an industry. And planning ahead when in a world of uncertainty means that you have to limit your variables. And while there still could be other variables that could come into play, obviously, um, you know, I think that if you have less variables, then you're you're more attractive from a from a planning ahead standpoint. And uh, this is just adding another one into it. I mean, but before, you know, a couple of years ago, no one's saying, uh, what, what should we have our event? Like, where's the most cl- place that has the least likelihood of, I don't know, uh, viral infections, right? Like that wasn't a concern. We were talking about active shooters and then now we're talking about this. And then now we're talking about global, um, you know, I don't know, incursions. Like it's, uh, they're just going to add, the list is going to get big, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean it to be doom and gloom. The list is going to get big. Uh, so what do you think is getting pushed down on the list? So yeah. Every time, every time you add something Lots to the top, stuff. other things get pushed down. And I the environment. Uh, I was just going to say sustainability, I think, yeah. continues to take yeah. to take a hit. And It had some momentum prior to COVID. It yeah. really did, especially in the events industry. I mean, mm-hmm. the biggest thing to sort of like artificially, let's say, combat that. I don't mean artificially in a negative way, but like uh, an active stance to push back on that trend, I think, was PCMA with uh, Sheriff saying that like the number one problem that like the events industry needs to tackle is uh, our, our environmental waste. Like that was a choice that hear, hear me out on this. If he doesn't say that it just goes away ish, right? Like there, it, it requires a, you know, for the, you know, whatever, wherever you put this in the, in the category, I've had a lot of debates about this in the last couple months of people saying like, we need to worry about this. We need to worry about that. Yes, I agree. But like, we have to worry about those things and those things will get dealt with because we have to, mm-hmm. if you, if you want to take a stance on something that requires active, design and active then that's an element that was on the way out i thought Mm -hmm. as far as being on the top of anyone's minds um and there's other ones too i think dei is the next one Mm -hmm. those are the two that like you're talking about where where two years ago uh where like you know things are looking great what are we what are we concerned about what are our fears microaggressions now what's a macroaggression uh a country invading another country mm-hmm. so we have it's very it's hard, very hard to prioritize microaggressions versus macro and and I'm being like kind of like somewhat flippant with that but like just as an example of like th- those are issues that you only really get to deal with in in a period of relative stability right like where you're not worried about where your food's coming from or mm-hmm. how you're going to pay your bills um you know you're worried about social justice you know you're not worried about like the you know the lights thing on and i think that's usually the stuff to take the back seat in times of you know increased amount of like uh, uh i guess emergency level fear yep. that's a really good point 
Mm-hmm. But, but the the thing I'm I guess I'm saying about this with what PC Man Sheriff and all that stuff it did that we could do our version of let's say is to say if you have something that you passionately believe in and it's not any of the big issues of the day realize that you're needed now more than ever for that because it's not organically happening it's not just going to be this wave of like we're all just getting rid of our straws and we're all doing this. Uh, it's not just going to happen like it would have in that in that way before. It, it requires to stay on track and to and to whatever your cause is. It requires a lot more design and a lot more intention and a lot more effort uh, in the face of uh, you know all these big things happening. Because it's not zero sum. Like you can't you can't say, well, we can't worry about the gov- or the uh, the environment because Russia's invading. Like there, there's the same men and women are not worried with both problems right so it's just about focus and energy uh and it requires the people who are uh really the most passionate about those things to to step up even harder um i think if those are Mm -hmm. you know if any of the issues that like it be it dei or initiatives or or environmental issues like as as two examples i think it now's the time for you if those are things that you're passionate about it's time to do even more so uh, because i think you could almost coast on the inevitability of the progress that was going to take place in in good times mm-hmm. and in bad times y- you got to kind of push the rock again you know you got to get behind that yeah i think as we as we get to the end of this i think that it's important also for us as we are canceling products and as we are making decisions about what products we want to buy and support, you need to know where products really come from. I know that has been an issue over the last week where we are taking things off of shelves, choosing not to put them in our stores, choosing not to purchase them. And the products aren't actually made in Russia. They have nothing to do with Russia. Um, so it's really important. Like you want to take the Moscow mule off your drink menu, take it off. But that's, if that feels good, if that's just freedom like, fries that just that, uh, just do it but make sure you know the companies that you're punishing and uh and uh and yeah i know uh i think it was smirnoff i don't want to misspeak because everybody's got to do their own research but i think smirnoff was getting pegged for being a they're Russian polish company and they're polish and yeah they're just like whoa <laughs> what, <laughs> we what are you to, doing uh, dumping really, out my drinks maybe we should change our color to blue or something uh just to underline the uh the lack of affiliation with yeah. the red Hmm. Although I guess it serves some people right for appropriating a name <laughs> they probably shouldn't be using. That's interesting. And, and I think I'll chime in too to say like also to like the people like but like avoid canceling people when mm-hmm. really they might not have anything to do with this. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, I remember early on seeing a, a great tweet that was like something like my 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 Russian grandma what like hasn't been back to Russia in like n- like 60 years or something like that, you know, or she was, she was born in New York or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. You know, I think just, uh, you know, just be, I think kind and, and yeah. loving. And I think that it's also a good moment for us to, to, to remind everyone too, that there's so many different ways to, to help out, to, to donate, to, um, to, to be participate in helping Ukraine out in so many different ways. So, um, yeah, in addition to all of our thoughts and prayers, definitely like, don't hesitate to 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 help out with your pocketbook or you know offering free tickets to your event for Ukrainian citizens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems like let's do that, right? Like, why mm-hmm. not? I think that's more powerful than saying that if you're Russian, you can't come. I think there's more power in saying, yeah, that. like I think that is a powerful statement to make and something that is um, a lot. I think that I think that sends a clearer message than you know boycotting a, a certain group of people that like will says likely have nothing to do with it and i think if anything like let's be kind to each other and um yeah yeah it's been like it hasn't the last two years has been fucked up enough we've got yeah. no room we've got no room for beating each other how, up. Did, how did we not come together over the last couple of years mm-hmm. do you know what i mean i mean i guess universal seven billion people coming together is kind of a pipe mm-hmm. dream but it's like, kind of happening though in a big way like i'm shocked at at universally how supported Ukraine is. And I think a lot of that has to do with this, the digital age. And I think, you know, the, the Ukrainian leadership has risen to rock star status and mm-hmm. that stuff all helps, right? Like that's, yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, to me, that's the biggest kind of like thing in my head as I'm just as a consumer of what's been going on over the last week is really, uh, from a bunch of somewhat inside with some people I know on the Ukraine and, and in Russia, 
I'm just trying to take this in is like, it seems like such a dated old thing that's happening, but in a completely new world, like, and we've never had anything like in Europe like this with all of the, the, the changes that we've had globally. And, uh, it, it really feels because I'm, I'm very cognizant of the fact that I believe globally, this is a big statement and I'm sure I want to lose a lot of people <laughs> on this globally, <laughs> the, the empathy level is higher than I think it's ever been. I agree. And, and, and that, that's, that's a big deal. Cause that's a big, you know, uh, I don't know, emotion, let's say mm-hmm. to have that much permeation. I mean, it's not, it's not universal. And certainly some people, some people's gain, other people lost some of theirs, I think, whatever. But uh, I think on the whole, if this is like a, a glass, you know, it's fuller of empathy than it ever has been. And that, that hopefully when things like this happen, um, that there's a, there's a positive benefit to that um, that we wouldn't have been able to accomplish prior. And I'm hoping mm. that like, like I just seen how as a people we've reacted to wars and to the enemy um, quote unquote over uh, you know, I mean, even tangential connections to enemies. And I think we're, we're smarter now. I think that we're, we care more now broadly and uh, I'm, I'm hoping for faster resolutions with less bloodshed. Hmm. Perfect note to end on. Here's here here. Let's uh yeah end the bloodshed for sure. So, mm-hmm. all right, cool. I'd love to know from people that are listening <clears throat> to our our listeners, um, what do you think about this, and what are you seeing um, in your world, whether you're in hospitality or events or travel, like what are some of those immediate impacts and what are you worried about for the future when it comes to, you know, this issue and many more that are going to come up from it. Quite curious to know. If you want to email us eventbrew at helloendless.com or hashtag eventbrew on LinkedIn or Twitter. Love to hear from you. Um, and yeah, fantastic conversation. Thank you, Nick and Dustin for wish getting we together on this Wish one. we weren't having it. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, everyone have a fantastic day. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we will see you next time on Vent Brew. Went country Western at the end there. A little country Western. I liked it. It was a little Nashville, a little twang on it. Twang, twang, twang. Twang. It's pretty good. All right. Thanks again for listening to Event Brew. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head over to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or tell us what topics you want to hear covered. See you next time on Event Brew.